everybody. Thank you, Renee, and worship team. That was an awesome time of worship as we were ushered into the presence of God. It's good to see who's here. Um, yeah, nice to see familiar faces. Uh, this morning, I had such a sense of that this is our community, you know, that as we approach this time of Easter and we observe this Holy Week, um, that you are not alone, like none of us are alone, we form part of a community that God has drawn us into, and so, yeah, let us exercise that community and, and press into community as we engage, as we engage with everyone, okay, did you hear anything I said, or are you, were you wanting to say, you're on mute, <laughs> okay, so remember those days of Zoom. But, but yeah, just celebrating this community and appreciating this community as I look out on every face and every family. Um, this morning, we are um, observing Palm Sunday, and, and we're not alone as a church because believers all over the world, all over the globe, are, are remembering this important uh, day that as Jesus approached um, yeah, the cross of Calvary, the crucifixion. And so it's an it's a important date in our calendar. On Wednesday at our life group, we were just discussing how, how do we approach Easter? What are those things that your family did or maybe your church community did before this growing up? And then we actually realized that Easter is probably the most significant event in our Christian calendar, isn't it? The Apostle Paul says, if Christ were not risen, then we would be, of all men, most miserable. Because then, what is this about? It's a club. You could do better things on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but, but we have hope. Pope Francis I say Pope Francis because that's the one that just rolled naturally off my tongue. <laughs> but one of the popes said, um, we are an Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Isn't that amazing? But for now, Palm Sunday. I'd like us to observe, as we observe Palm Sunday and, and realize the importance and the significance of this day as we almost embark on this journey of remembering the Lord's journey towards the cross. I want us to, to understand the significance from the perspective and the richness from the perspective of that first Passover, the first Passover as described in the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles or your device with you, please turn to Exodus chapter 12, and I'll be reading from verse 1 to 7. Exodus chapter 12, from verse 1 to 7. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household, if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. 
you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be one-year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. I'm just going to read so far. But that was the first Passover as God delivered the ancient Israelites from slavery in Egypt. How significant. Does it, does it bring to mind some parallels with what we are observing this week? I was reminded of the the very intentional parallels between that first Passover and the Passover being celebrated in Jerusalem in the week that Jesus was crucified. And here are the similarities. God says on this month, on the 10th day of this month, I think it was a month of Nisan. Um, I don't know if that equates to this month, but be that as it may. On the 10th day, you must choose a lamb, one year old, without spot or blemish, and bring it into your homes. Okay? And then you need to keep that lamb in your home for four days. And on the eve of the, of the 15th of the month, you are to slaughter the lamb. Very significant that Jesus arrives in Jerusalem on the 10th day of that month. He comes into Jerusalem, enters the temple, turns over the tables, cleanses the temple of all that is not pure and holy, and teaches in the temple for how long? For four days. And on the eve of the 15th of that month, Jesus is crucified. And in the Old Testament, take the blood and put it on the door frames of your homes. And what would the blood do? It would save the firstborns in, in, in those homes. Amazing significance of the life of Jesus in this last week that we are observing. Today's message is not going to be It's not going to be too, too long because I want us to focus, I hope not, <laughs> Chantal will kick me for that, but I want us to focus on the significance of this day. Um, let us pray. Father, we, we come before you as a family, Lord God, a family where you have drawn together from all walks of life, where you have bought with the precious blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, as we as your people join our hearts with believers all over the world, as we look into your word, I pray that you bless our time around your word. I pray, Father God, that you minister by your Holy Spirit, that we would be reflective and, and understand what you have done and how it relates to our lives, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a quotation by Eugene Peterson, you know, the author, 
Eugene Peterson, the author of the, the message version of the Bible. I don't know if you've had an um, opportunity to read that uh, version. But he has a gift in the way that he uses words. And I learned this week that he's a, he's a man of God who loves, who always loved from a young age. Um, he was probably Ashley's age, 10 years old, where he started to love poetry. And the power of poetry and, and, and how that brought him into a, a, a worshipful space. And he says this in his memoir called The Pastor. He says, I am a pastor. My work has to do with God and souls. Immense mysteries that no one has ever seen at any time. But I carry out this work in conditions of place and time. Place not just any place, not just a location marked on a road map, but on a topo, a topographical map with named mountains and rivers, identified wildflowers and forests, elevation above sea level and annual rainfall. I do all my work on this ground. I do not levitate. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Get to know this place. Time. But not just time in general, abstracted to a geometric grid on a calendar or numbers on a clock face. But what the Greeks call kairos, pregnancy time. Being present to the presence. I never know what is coming next. Watch therefore. Significant words, don't you think? It says that we occupy a time and a place, a very specific place, a very specific time. And Wellspring, I just want to underline something. We do not levitate. Have you seen anyone so holy that they're levitating? <laughs> Steve maybe, but, <laughs> but, but no one levitates. We occupy the ground that we stand on. And he says, get to know, get to know your place. And I think whenever we approach the word of God, it's so important for us as a church to not read the word of God as if it's some abstract kind of such a, such a heartwarming, fuzzy story. It happened in a reality of time and place. And I think it's when we become aware of that time and place that the word of God actually happened in is where we start to appreciate the dynamics of what the word is saying. But, but more than that, it, it speaks to being aware of that context, but then being aware of our context. And then the Holy Spirit starts to join the dots. And starts to make the word come alive in our time and our place. And so for a few minutes, I'd like to just sketch a, a bit of reality of the time at the time of Jesus. Uh, the, the, the place and time at the time of Jesus on this Palm Sunday that we are remembering. So this portion that I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19. If you can turn there in your Bibles with me. Luke chapter 19, I'll be reading from verse 28 to 40, this portion of scripture, the, the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, is a portion that is related in all four Gospels. 
if you have time this week, um, take the time to go and read each account. And you'll notice because the audiences are different, there's slight nuances to the, the story or, or, or the, the time. And so I'll be reading from Luke. And it says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who are sent ahead went, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Very significant time and place. I, as we read that passage, we need to realize that there's a very real backdrop to all of these events. Otherwise, we are in danger of just thinking about it as a very like a heartwarming story of, of Jesus' last week on earth. But there's a very real backdrop where this is taking place. And, and the events of, of what's happening in this passage is very significant. And, and, and so what, what's actually happening here is that the Jewish people, and you've heard me say this many times, and I hope, I hope you're not tired of hearing me say this, but the Jewish people were living under Roman occupation, right? Roman oppression since 64 BC. So this is the reality. So since 64 BC, the Romans were the powers that be, and the Jewish people were subjugated to Roman occupation. So that means Jesus was 33 by the time this event took place. So if you added all of that up, just about 100 years of oppression under Roman rule, and there would be many more. So just imagine yourselves, people being exploited, Rome con uh, maintaining absolute control through heavy military presence and extracting heavy taxes from the people such that the people languished under Roman rule. So let's not, let's not romanticize what was happening in this first century. There's a very real dynamic happening here. What compounded the situation was that the, relig uh, the religious rulers of the day, the Pharisees, they knew that, that they were the, or they considered themselves to the Jewish people to be the people of God, but they felt that the Messiah was due to come, but this Messiah was going to be one that delivered them in a military fashion from the Roman occupation. 
So when Jesus came, they're like, oh, okay, it's not this guy. Because there were many messiahs that entered their existence at this time. So every time people's hopes were raised and then dashed, oh no, this is not the person. Um, and so with Jesus, actually the son of God, again, the Pharisees in their minds were like, okay, not this one. The Sadducees were the people who ruled the temple, but they, they decided the best way to deal with this reality was to accommodate themselves to the Roman occupation. So they, they played the middle ground. They played their cards just right so that they could benefit, they, uh, you know, in terms of like income. They were quite affluent and they had status in the Jewish community. So here you add this confusion and people languishing at the bottom of this kind of hierarchy. And so the, the atmosphere was ripe for like unrest and riot, especially around these feast days. And so here's past Sunday, here's past sun, um, uh, Palm Sunday, Passover, and, and thousands, some, some, some commentators say hundreds of thousands, of Jews made their way to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate the, the Seder meal and commemorate Passover. So you can imagine in this kind of atmosphere what was happening is that the people are yearning for freedom. They're remembering their roots in their faith. The, the Pharisees are, are kind of watching what's happening. Um, the Sadducees are, are the rulers of the temple, so they are in prime position during this religious time. And here comes Jesus riding in on a donkey, and the people are shouting, Our king, Hosanna in the highest, the king of Israel. And the Pharisees are getting very nervous because, like, how, how dare you say that the Romans are here? They're going to squash all of this. And not just in a, you know, like with military might. And so, and so they were really nervous, and they're saying to Jesus, Tell your people to be quiet. And Jesus says to them, if I tell the people to be quiet, the very stones on the side of this road will shout out. Why? Because this is God himself. And, and, and something else that's very significant here is that all the time when Jesus was performing miracles, remember, what was he telling people? He was telling them, don't tell anyone. Like, hush, be quiet, don't tell anyone. Why? Because the time was not ripe for him to be revealed as the son of God as the Messiah of the people. But you'll notice in this passage, there's none of that. He receives the praise. I mean, this morning I was just encouraged as well by my devotion um, when the, the meaning of Hosanna, what is Hosanna? They say Hosanna in the highest, if we read that portion. Um, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means um, please save us. And so, and so what you have here is the people acknowledging a different king to Caesar in the presence of the Romans. So what used to happen at this time was that um, the Romans organized a parade, like a show of their military might that coincided with these feast days. Why? It was a way of saying, be careful. We are here and look how strong we are. And if you try anything... You're just going to be squashed. So there was definite, like, like political tension in the air. So, so Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, and, and, and he fulfills prophecy in doing this, actually. 
So you will remember in Zechariah 9 verse 9, um, the prophet declares, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus fulfills this prophecy. But you know, there's, there's more happening here. If you think about what's happening here, there's a clash. There's a clash of kingdoms. The kingdom of God is coming. <laughs> the air is pregnant with tension. <laughs> Just amazing, the word of God. It's like that. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> So there's this convergence of, of Jesus coming in on a donkey on the one end, from the one side of the city, and the, and the poor people, kind of the, the peasants of society, the Jewish people, hailing him as king, while on the other side of the, of the city is the Roman Empire coming and showing their might. Jesus comes in on a donkey, the Roman general or, or whoever of the army is riding on his stallion or steed, followed by his soldiers. And so some commentators say that there's a bit of satire happening here. So sometimes we think of Jesus as uh, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, but some commentators say there's a bit of satire where Jesus was actually kind of showing up the Romans. Like you're coming with your might on your war horses and with your army, Jesus comes on a donkey, surrounded by the hoi polloi, the peasants, and they are actually acknowledging the Son of God, Hosanna, in the highest, save us in the face of this Roman oppression. That's not the only thing that's happening here. The Pharisees are on their nerves, right? The Sadducees are like saying, what are these people doing? We're going to suffer because of all this. And let us not forget the spiritual realm. Something's happening in the spiritual realm. The forces of darkness are reigning around this place. Why? Because there's a knowledge that something very significant is going down on this, on this week. On this Passover, this specific Passover. If you've watched The Passion of the Christ, you'll know. They kind of build it up where Satan is coming and he's circling. But then also the heavenly hosts, there's a hush. And everyone's watching what's going to happen because this is the Son of God. And so, and so this is where we read this passion uh, or this portion of Scripture that I'd like us just to, just to read again. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and when he came near the road where it goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They had just seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They had seen him open blind eyes, making the lame walk, feeding the thousands of people from virtually nothing. And, and so they were ready for this Messiah. They say, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. People, what is happening here is that we have Jesus coming as representing the kingdom of God and the Roman Empire representing the kingdom of, of darkness. We see our, 
our, our Messiah, our Savior coming in humility with love, a heart to serve the people. And today I want to call us to remember these events because these events have such significant impact for what we claim as a church today. There was an intentionality in Jesus' actions in this last week that aligned with Scripture hundreds of years before. Why? He did it for you. And as I was standing there worshiping, I realized that if you are sitting here, I don't know what your situation is, but the actions of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, declares this week that you are loved by the Most High God. More than you, more than you even know or realize. No one is excluded. The love of God is for all. As we sit here, I don't, I don't know what's happening. But one thing I do know is that God was intentional about walking and making his way to that cross on a timetable because he spent himself for each one of us. And I want, to, I want us to spend a bit of time as we are aware of that context and Justine asks a very pertinent question on the justice board. What is our place? What is our context? As we consider the events of this week and that context, what is our context? Because remember, church, that God, Jesus is always showing to us the heart of God. Jesus is always modeling for us what it means to be the people of God in our time and in our place. What do we see? What do we see Jesus modeling for us? I want to call up Tim at this time. And so we're going to spend some time in quiet reflection. And I'm going to ask a few questions. And I want us just to where we are, just maybe close your eyes if you're comfortable. Just with palms open if you are comfortable with that or whatever you want to do in, a, in a, a posture of just being open and remembering the events of this week, of the Passion Week. Let us not allow the busyness of our lives. It's busy, right? You're busy at work. You're busy with your family. You're busy with I don't know, your social life, the events of, of whatever's happening. There's so much commercialization happening around this time. But let us, as the people of God, take a few minutes and this week to just reflect and remember what Jesus did for us. I'm going to ask a few questions and then we're going to spend just about three to five minutes just in time of reflection just thinking about what this means for us. Church, how do we approach Easter this year? Jesus comes and he brings hope and he declares his love for you. What is, what is your place and time, the backdrop to our lives? How do we align ourselves this Easter 
Have we aligned ourselves with the king who came in on a donkey? Or do we recognize elements in our lives where actually we are aligning ourselves with the might of this world? Father, who stands with the weak, who stands with the weak, the powerless, the poor, the abandoned, the sick, the aged, the very young, the unborn, and those who, by victim of circumstance, bear the heat of the day, who art in heaven, where everything will be reversed, where the first will be the last, and the last will be the first, but where all will be well, and every manner of being will be well. Hallowed be thy name. May we always acknowledge your holiness, respecting that our ways are not, that your ways are not our ways, your standards are not our standards. May the reverence we give your name pull us out of the narcissism, selfishness, and paranoia that prevents us from seeing the pain of our neighbor. Your kingdom come. Help us to create a world where, beyond our own needs and hurts, we will do justice, love tenderly, and walk humbly with you 
and each other. Your will be done. Open our freedom to let you in so that the complete mutual mutuality and characterizes your life might flow through our veins and thus the life that we help generate may radiate your equal love for all and your special love for the poor on earth as in heaven may the work of our hands the temples and structures we build in this world reflect the temple and the structure of your glory so that the joy graciousness tenderness and justice of heaven will show forth within all our structures on earth give life and love to us and help us to see always everything as gift help us to know that nothing comes to us by right and that we must give because we have been given to help us realize that we must give to the poor not because they need it but because our own health depends upon our giving to them us the truly plural us give not just to our own but to everyone including those who are very different than the narrow us give your gifts to all of us equally this day not tomorrow do not let us push off things do not let us push off things off into some indefinite future so that we can continue to live justified lives in the face of injustice because we can use present philosophical political economic logistic and practical difficulties as an excuse for our inactivity our daily bread so that each person in the world may have enough food enough clean water enough clean air adequate health care and sufficient access to education so as to have the sustenance for a healthy life teach us to give us from our sustenance and not just from our surplus and forgive us our trespasses forgive us our blindness towards our neighbor our obsessive self-preoccupation our racism our sexism and our in incurable propensity to worry about only about ourselves and our and our own forgive us our capacity to watch the evening news and do nothing about it as we forgive those who trespass against us help us to forgive those who victimize us help us to mellow out in spirit to not grow bitter with age to forgive the imperfect parents and systems that wounded cursed and ignored us and do not put us to the test do not judge us only by whether we have fed the hungry given clothing to the naked visited the sick or tried to mend the system that victimized the poor spare us this test for none of us can stand before this gospel scrutiny give us instead more days to mend our ways our selfishness and our systems but deliver us from evil that is from the blindness that lets us continue to participate in anonymous systems within which we need not see who gets less as we get more amen church as we look 
at where Jesus positioned himself in society, what may God be calling us to in order to bring his kingdom into our reality, into our time, and into our place? Let us pray. Father, we as Wellspring Church declare that we are the people of God. We are the people of God in the city of Cape Town, in the country of South Africa at this time. Father, we exist for your glory. We exist to be used by you in our time and in our place so that our gener- the next generations may see uh, a real expression of what it means to be a Christ follower. Lord, Hosanna, save us, Lord. Save us. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.